Hi, welcome to Luna X2 Codependency Coaching or LX2. I haven't used Luna X2 in a while, uh, but that's actually the name of my business. Uh, but LX2 is the codependency coaching um, kind of side of things. We are live on Instagram as well as recording for this next episode of LX2. Um, back to our regular scheduled program. I did not do video last time because uh, my sister was in town and um, we were in a different town, but she was here in Greece. Um, and so we recorded um, the podcast, but not the video. So today I'm back on video and um, ready to talk about family things. Um, not family secrets, but just uh, one of the essays I had written earlier on in um, in writing, and it's certainly like a chapter in the book, uh, is called Family Ties, The Myth of Family. Uh, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I just spent time with family and I learned that I have all kinds of triggers and uh, feelings about that dynamic. All good for the most part. <clears throat> But uh, it's curious to me how all of that came about because I wasn't expecting it. And even though I spend time with my siblings pretty consistently, like um, I go to San Diego maybe once a year. Uh, the sister that came down, she and I traveled together, go to Tennessee. I've been to Texas in the last six months um, to see my brother. So I spend time with family relatively often, even though I don't live close to them. Uh, and here, obviously, I'm much further away, but my sister was the first guest to come and visit. And so that was awesome. It was super fun. Uh, she was here for two weeks. And this was her first time traveling abroad by herself. So that was a huge accomplishment. Um, but she and I, like I mentioned, we travel often together. So we go, we've gone to Vegas several times. Um, we usually like will meet in Tennessee or in uh, California to see one of our other siblings, but um, we spend a lot of time together. We've got viewers. Um, so yeah, I was not expecting some of the, the triggers and the things that had happened, um, which was a surprise to me. So um, just for context, uh, I teach skills all the time, especially as it relates to family and codependency, because um, your family is probably where you learn a lot of your triggers. Not for everybody, but I, I know it was for me. And having had the responsibility of like taking care of them since they were born and little, um, just a refresher. I'm the oldest of six. There's one right under me that's two years younger. And then there were four more uh, that are about a year and a half apart from each other. But me and the young or and the oldest one are 10 years apart. So I was 10 when the next four were born, so 10, 12, 14, and 16 uh, was my age as they were kind of coming along. And so it was always my responsibility often to, always often, always, to take care of them, you know, just in, in general developmental things, um, you know, get them ready for school, give them baths, all the things. Um, it was funny because my sister, who listens to the podcast regularly, had mentioned like, you really got a lot of trauma from watching us. And I was like, well, it wasn't the trauma necessarily from watching them because it wasn't like they 
were children. They were babies. They, they didn't really have a whole lot of choices. Um, but the trauma was more like having to do all the things and then having that responsibility kind of put on me as a kid. Like I remember being handed an infant when I was 10. Um, you shouldn't give a 10 year old an infant. Uh, but I mean, it, I learned and, and it was fine. So I got through it, but it was, it was interesting as she mentioned that like, you talk about it a lot. Like it was a traumatic event for you. Um, and it, it was what it was. I mean, it, I, you know, I don't categorize it as trauma now, but I do recognize that that's a large part of where my codependency kind of got its roots. Um, in addition to like other things like, uh, you know, my mom was a yeller. I did not grow up, um, with a lot of addiction in our household, but, um, got, I grew up with a lot of chaos, just a lot of humans and, and doing a lot of different things. So, um, I had stopped attending as an adult, like family gatherings as my, once I graduated high school, my family moved to Colorado. And so in the last podcast, my sister talked about like growing up on the ranch and having a very different, um, childhood experience than I did. And so she, uh, she talked about growing up on the ranch. And so at a certain point I was in Albuquerque and, and they were in Colorado and Southern Colorado. Um, and so I stopped fam attending family, uh, holidays and gatherings and things because they were very chaotic, even as we were adults. Um, and so I felt like it was a very triggering situation for me. I didn't like having a lot of anxiety about it or, you know, getting really upset and angry and, and 100% own that, like, that was my own experience. Um, but I just stopped going. And at a certain point I just stopped participating in, um, bigger family gatherings. Now, occasionally as adults, we have them, uh, large family gatherings where we all get together, but it's not often. Um, and what I've noticed is we do better, uh, when there's only three of us. So two siblings and me or the three of them or however that works. But, um, it's definitely a little bit more manageable. Uh, it's a whole different animal when my mom is thrown into the mix. Um, because she has her own anxiety and her own flair on things. The last time we were kind of all together, uh, minus one sibling was for balloon fiesta last year. And so for those of you who aren't from New Mexico, balloon fiesta is a huge hot air balloon festival in October. Um, and it's, uh, two weekends, usually in the first, uh, first two weekends of October. And so it's, it's kind of a big deal. It's an international event. Um, and so a lot of my siblings came and stayed in like different places. And, uh, it was kind of the last time we were all together. That being said, it was not the shit show we were expecting. <laughs> um, we all got along really well. We had a good time. You know, they all chose the things that they wanted to do and, and where they wanted to go and what they wanted to see. And so, um, it was actually a really good, um, reunion for all of us to get together, but that doesn't happen very often. And so, like I said, three is usually the magic number. Um, and one-on-one -on -one is great. Like that's probably the most ideal. Um, but now having spent like all this significant time by myself and then having my sister here and, you know, I've, I've told you guys a lot that I was like super excited about it and I couldn't wait to like get a hug and spend time with someone else. And that was great. Like we really had a good time. I think the challenge was, um, that I started to be triggered to my old, coping skills of trying to intuit her needs and feelings, not helpful. Um, I started to get a lot of anxiety and, um, started to get like irritable and frustrated. 
Um, and it wasn't anything she was doing. It was my own stuff. But it was really kind of interesting that <laughs> I was like immediately triggered back to like old stuff. Um, and so a couple different times um, we had some conflict. Uh, and it is definitely our family value. And it could be cultural. It could just be like a Martinez thing. But um, we'll have a spicy moment, like maybe have an argument or you know, get frustrated with each other. And then about five minutes later, we'll be like, let's go eat. Um, not go eat all the time, but like we're fine. It just kind of dissipates. Uh, and that's kind of how we do things. And it's funny because like our partners who um, have, you know, been with us in, in different circumstances find it very interesting that we can have like these spicy moments where we get like really upset with each other. And then like five minutes later, we're like, okay, let's go eat. Um, so <laughs> it's one of the things that we do and, and I can imagine that some people can relate to that. Um, that being said, some of us do hold grudges and we hold them for a long time, but usually in the moment, that's what happens. And so that's what happened when my sister was here is like, we'd have this like high anxiety, high intensity moment and then be fine and, you know, go figure out where we're going to have food or like what the next activity is or whatever. Um, one of the things that we don't do traditionally is kind of come back to the table and talk about it. Um, and that's 100% on, on me. Like, you know, as long as we're at the go eat place, then we're fine. Um, and that's not really okay for like most people cause they need to process. And some people don't like to have even the conflict to begin with. And so they're just going to hold onto the resentment or hold onto the frustration. And then, um, you know, when, when you're like, okay, let's go eat or let's go do whatever. Um, then people are still salty. And so they're like, I don't want to spend time with you. Um, which was something I learned later in other relationships where people are like, you seem really fine with this and you seem to move by it really fast. And I was like, well, I do. Um, one, I process emotions a lot more quickly because I have them constantly. And that could be my Pisces nature. It could be a lot of things, but like, that's one of the things that I do. Um, and so this sister in particular, um, kind of rolls with that dynamic and, um, I was on TikTok and I was talking about one incident in particular, after we had come back from our uh, little island trip, we had a hike planned. And so my idea of a hike is walking around in the woods. Like it's not a planned situation. It's not like I know this trail. I mean, occasionally that's the case, but not always. Like for me, if there are woods outside, I'm going to go for a walk in them. That's a hike. Um, and so <laughs> we had gotten to the top of this, um, it was the end of a, a bus trail. And, and so then there were like woods and elevation, whatever. And so she was like, well, do you know where we're going? And I was, no, let's just like figure it out. And her anxiety kicked up and she was like, well, I need to know where we are and I need to know what we're doing. And can you Google and see if there was a trail? And I did all of that. There wasn't. And so I was just like, I don't know. Like I'm trying to figure it out as we are doing this. And she got frustrated and she was like, I'm going to go back to where I know where I am. And so she went back to the bus stop, um, which was again at the top of this trail. So I got frustrated cause I was like, you're getting all upset. I'm all upset, like whatever. And you know, we're yelling at each other in the middle of this street. Um, and so finally I was just like, okay, well you sit here, do what you need to do. I knew on some level that she didn't know how to get back to the apartment and whatever, but I was just like, I'm going to go for a walk. Like, that's what I came here to do. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and she was like, fine, go do whatever. And I was like, okay. So I did. And, um, 
I ended up having a really lovely hike. Uh, found a little trail, went for a walk, climbed up a thing, climbed down a thing. It was great. Um, I came back and she had, I had headphones in and I think she did. And I was like, let's go. So, um, we had a plan, a day plan, like we were going to do other stuff. And, uh, so at some point she was just like, just don't talk to me like I'm a child. And that's fair. Um, I have been accused of being condescending. Um, it's not my goal <laughs> always, uh, but it, it's definitely a tone that I get. Um, but I, I do recognize like that's part of why I stopped going to family things is I am triggered back to kind of the, the leader of things and being in charge, even though I'm not, um, you know, we're all grown ups. We all kind of handle our lives. We are all really good at that for the most part. And, um, I know that I get uh, triggered to want to manage things. And most of that is my anxiety, right? Like I know that I get anxious and so I control what I can. And in the meantime, I am controlling these other adult humans, which is not helpful. Um, and so that's what she said. She said it several times. Like you talk to me like I'm a fucking child. And I was like, that's not my goal. I know you're not a child. You make good choices, like whatever. So that was an example of a spicy moment. And so when I was writing about uh, kind of the myth of family, one of the things that comes to mind is this concept of, you know, it's family over everybody, blood is thicker than water, like your siblings are your forever people. And I think there's, there's some truth to that. But, um, you know, even in the last podcast, my sister had mentioned, like, you take care of your family first. They are the people that you're going to rely on. And, um, you know, later after the podcast, we talked about how, like, cause she went to, to school with our, the, the younger four siblings and, um, you know, different circumstances where they had to defend each other, um, you know, against bullies or peers or teachers or whatever, like they stood up for one another. And I think when I, when I was taking care of them, that was the case is like, I had to make sure that they had their needs met and I was the one in charge. And so... Um, there's that idea, right? That you have to like defend your family no matter what, except for here's the deal. Sometimes you don't like your family and that's the truth. What I ask clients often is, okay, like that, I get that that's a family value fair. Um, but if you met them and they were strangers, would you choose them as friends? And sometimes the answer is no. Uh, and so that's something to think about too is, I know that there's um, kind of the, the, again, family value or pressure from, you know, parents that you rely on your siblings, you take care of your siblings, um, and, and you're a unit. At a certain point, I've heard so often from um, clients that said, you know, my, my parents have always said, like, someday I'll be gone and your sister or your brother is the only one that's going to be there for you. And that's pressure. Um, that's, it creates an unhealthy expectation that you're going to actually like the people that you are biologically related to. Um, and I can tell you that that's not necessarily the case. Um, and so really evaluating, I, I can be in a room with my siblings and, um, I enjoy for the most part spending time with them. Uh, like I said, one-on-one -on -one is great. Three is kind of the max. All of them is a lot. Uh, it creates a lot more anxiety for me. But there are some of them I wouldn't choose. I wouldn't choose them if they were, 
not biologically related to me. Um, and that goes like from just like siblings to like cousins to you know extended family. Um, and so they're gonna be people I don't spend time with. Um, and that's okay. I think that sometimes there's pressure and there's uh, an expectation that you should just because you're family. Uh, there's also this other kind of idea that floats around that like someday, you know, I'm gonna die or you're gonna die and you know, do you say all the things or, you know, are you gonna regret anything? Definitely a concept, definitely something to think about. If the answer is no, then there's your answer. Like you don't have to spend time with them. If you said all the things that you wanted to say, then you're fine. Um, the other thing is that that shouldn't be a reason to spend time with someone. It creates an obligation that's unfair and unrealistic. Um, is that like, I'm only hanging out with you because someday you might die and I might regret spending time with you. Except for I don't enjoy my time with you. It's actually exhausting. I get a lot of anxiety. I get really irritable. And then I don't like myself when I spend time with you. So that's a thing to think about too, is how are you feeling when you spend time with these people just because they have that title? Um, and so really looking at like, what are the intentions behind it? Um, you know, I've, I've said before, like, if you want to be a kind and generous person, I love that for you. Um, and, and that's great. Like, that's a good thing to be kind and generous. Uh, but if it creates anxiety or if it creates frustration or if it creates resentment, that's a sign that maybe that's not what you actually want to do. Um, and so just because somebody has a title, then it might be important to reevaluate whether or not that relationship is something you want to maintain and add time to. Um, especially because as adults, we get busy, we create our own lives, we have our own friends, we have our own uh, responsibilities and all those things. And so you may not want to spend time with that individual who you're biologically related to. Um, so really thinking about what motivates your doing that, whatever you're doing. Um, I had submitted or sent my um, family values essay to a couple friends and some different people and um, read it through, made sense, it was a little uh, triggering for some. <laughs> and one of the, some of the feedback I got back was like, you kinda need to look at like what the intention is when you are maintaining or doing things for family-related humans. Um, and, I, and I love the idea of like looking at the intention because I think we do a lot of things with the best of intentions. I want to help. Um, but we're not necessarily conveying that in how we do it or even how we feel while we're doing it, right? Um, and so sometimes there's a fear. Sometimes there's, um, you know, I just wanna help, whatever it is. Um, I think I've given the example before of like, one of my siblings in a terrible relationship and I was gonna move to where they were <laughs> to like manage that. I don't know what I was gonna do. Um, Later, I recognized that like my siblings are gonna choose their partners and they're gonna have the dynamics that they have and I can't do anything about that. Like if they ask for help, absolutely. But like my going and being there and managing it was not required. It was not requested. Um, you know, and, and so that's something to think about too is you can be of support to, you know, insert family member here, but are they asking for it? If they are not, something to evaluate. If you are doing it from a kind and generous place, totally fine. Um, but if it's building resentment or creating anxiety or creating irritability, something to think about. 
Um, the other thing is, and it's certainly with a parent dynamic, and I, I ask clients this a lot, like, you know, you're spending time with your mom, dad, whatever, um, but, you know, when was the last time they parented you, right? So you had this obligation to take care of your parents in whatever capacity, um, but you're, you're thinking about them as that role. You're thinking about them as your mom or your dad, your sibling, whatever, um, but if you're not getting any kind of reciprocity from it, uh, then you're just having a relationship with another adult, right? And so oftentimes you can take the um, kind of the stingy bit out of it when you just refer to your parent, sibling, whatever, as their name, as another adult, and then really recognize, is this someone you want to spend time with, right? Um, I often ask like, when was the last time they mommed you? When was the last time they dadded you? And then it reduces the expectation because if you haven't really gotten that kind of relationship dynamic, and obviously grown-ups, we don't need to be mommed or dad, dadded, um, but, but we may need you know, support. We may need comfort. We may need um, problem solving. We may need to borrow a truck. Who knows? Um, but are you asking for that? Are you expecting it because they have that title, right? Or is someone expecting that of you because you have that title and a truck? Uh, so those are things to kind of evaluate is like what, what is the dynamic and what is the expectation based on the role or title? And so when you can, you know, really evaluate, well, if I'm not getting parented, and this happens a lot, especially if there's been an absent parent and they come back into your life as an adult, um, you know, if, if they haven't been around to parent you, then we have sometimes a, a lingering expectation that they should. They should want to do that or that they shouldn't. And you haven't dadded me for all of these years and now you're going to come and be my dad? Fuck you. Like that's definitely something I've heard in therapy. And it's like, well, one, are you having unrealistic expectations? Um, are they having unrealistic expectations? And should there be a conversation that says, I want to get to know you as a human and an adult, but I don't need you to fill a role that you have been assigned by circumstance. Um, and that could be true for even like sibling things. Um, I have, for whatever reason, 23andMe has created havoc <laughs> and shows up in therapist's office often. Um, and so people are, are showing up, you know, either they were adopted or whatever, and so they have this like extra sibling. Um, and so they're trying to process their feelings and they're processing it through that filter of family. Um, when the, the reality is that this is someone who has genetic relationship to you, but has not ever been or done these things. And so it's helpful to reestablish connection based on two adult humans having interaction rather than throwing extra pressure of family role and title. And so really looking at and evaluating relationships by am I looking at this through the lens of title or am I looking at this through the lens of adult relationship, right? And so I think that's the other thing that came up, just kind of circle back around to my visit with my sister is she is my sister. I am older than she is, um, but she's also a very capable adult human who makes good choices on her own and does not need me to take care of her. Like if she asks, I will be more than happy to do that. But 
right now, under the circumstances that we were in, she didn't need that. And so, you know, really thinking about this like hike <laughs> where, you know, and she's, she's the one who told me, she's like, you're the one who told me I don't have to give a fuck about anybody else's feelings. And I did not like that, but she's absolutely correct. That is something I teach to clients. It is something I preach and believe 100% that it is not my responsibility to take care of somebody else's feelings. That being said, you cannot go around like poking people in the eye or telling them to fuck off or whatever, because that's not helpful or kind. Um, but if somebody's having a feeling, it's based on their own experience. And it's also their experience and their responsibility to let you know what their needs are. And so if we're walking around kind of evaluating, like I don't want them to feel hurt or I don't want them to feel bad or I don't want them to, I don't want them to feel is control, right? And so if you're holding back on saying something because you don't want them to feel hurt, well then you're not communicating and that's not helpful. So it might be better to be like, this is my truth, this is what I'm saying, this is where I'm coming from, and then let them have the feeling that they're having, have the space for that to happen, and then it creates a conversation, right? Um, but it was one of the things that was like, it came out of nowhere for me, where I was just like, fuck, I am triggered way back to this feeling of needing to take care of her, and that's not helpful. Um, what I love is that she was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you go do whatever you're going to do. And she was salty and mad, and that was fine. I couldn't change that. And, you know, later when we did come back and have a conversation about it, um, you know, I, I owned my part. I was like, I was anxious. I was frustrated. Um, you know, this was my expectation of the hike or whatever. Uh, and so moving forward, I will try to communicate better to let you know what my expectations are or what, where I'm coming from super helpful. And then she came back and said, cool, I just needed to take some space from you. And, you know, I was going to be in a place where I felt most comfortable. And so I was like, okay, fair. Um, and so, you know, the rest of our time together was better. But what I love about, you know, this dynamic specifically is two adult humans, much better at communicating than probably we've ever been. And she accepts and sees me as the adult that I am and not her older sister. Like I am her older sister, but that's not how she sees me, um, which I'm super grateful for. Some of my other siblings have kind of pigeonholed me into uh, an older version of me, uh, not the new healed awesome version, which is apparently still growing. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they, they're like, you have always been an asshole. You are a jerk. You're always telling me what to do. And those things have been true. I will own them, but they're not always true right now. And so it's really helpful sometimes to reintroduce yourself to family members and be like, hi, this is who I am today. If you have any questions about my experience and what I'm doing now, that would be great. Like, you know, you can think about me as 12 year old me that you used to know a long time ago, or you can get to know who I am today. And that would be really helpful. And sometimes those introductions need to be made um, to parents those introductions need to be made to other people so that you can remind them, hey, by the way, I'm an evolving, changing human, and I am not the same person that I was a year ago, let alone 10 years ago. Shit, six months ago, different guy. Like, I was a different person. And so it's really important to take that opportunity um, in the kindest way possible. I'm not the best at... Um, 
articulating myself in a kind way. Uh, I mean, certainly, <laughs> I'm a professional, but, you know, again, the, when the layers are taken back and it's just, like, me raw, I'm, I'm gonna say things in a spicy way sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's helpful. This particular sibling, again, sees me where I am, accepts me for the flawed and fucked up human that I can be, um, and is also willing to call me on my shit, which is super helpful. Um, but also kind enough to have patience with me (laughs) to be able to be like, okay, I see you. I heard what you said. I accept your apology. Let's move forward. Let's go eat. Um, and so it it really does come back to let's go eat. (laughs) That's how we do things. So we'll have a spicy moment and then figure out where we're going to get our next Greek salad. Cause apparently that was her favorite thing. Um, but there's, there's, there's certainly more to this. Um, it's important to really recognize what your own triggers are. And, and I guess for me, like it's a reminder to myself to recognize what my triggers are. If they haven't been triggered in a while and I haven't used those old skills for a while, then it was a surprise. Like it came, like I said, out of nowhere where I was triggered back to an older version of myself. And yeah, I was behaving like, you know, 28, 30 year old me where I was like, fucked up and mad because she's having a feeling where at the end of the day, her feeling is about her. It, it could be influenced by what I'm doing, what I'm saying, but it's her responsibility to figure it out. And if she needs something from me, it's her responsibility to let me know, to ask me for whatever help or support she needs. And so that's kind of the, the next piece is to really recognize that, especially with adult children or adult siblings, um, you know, are they asking for your help? Uh, I had a client one time who would get like real fucked up and angry because his sibling was, um, you know, had a bit of a drinking problem and, um, you know, obviously behaviors ensued and all the things, uh, but they would get like so angry and resentful about that piece. Right. Like, and so sometimes it's going to be awkward and awful to take a step back and be like, I get that right now you're dealing with some difficult things. I don't like seeing it. It it hurts me. It makes me sad. I don't like it, but I'm also going to let you deal with it until you figure it out. Because if I have to get in there, because this is where the resentment comes in. If I have to get in there and manage you, I'm going to do it my way. And you know, I'm going to have all these expectations about it. Not helpful. You're only hurting yourself. You're setting yourself up for disappointment and frustration because if you go in there trying to manage something they're struggling to manage, you're going to get fucked up about it. And that's not going to be helpful to any anybody. It's not going to be helpful to them. It's not going to be helpful to you. You're probably not going to get the result you want. Like all of that is a mess. I love that. Um, <laughs> I love. I really have enjoyed watching The Intervention Show. I think it's on TLC. Um, where like these families are, are super, uh, invested in, uh, the person with the addiction and wanting to get them help. Right. Um, but part of the intervention process is to set a boundary and to be like, what are your hard boundaries? What are your hard no's? And a lot of times it's going to be withdrawing support. It's going to be not letting them in your home. It's going to be not interacting with them the way you have been before to enable that behavior. And we don't like to think of ourselves as enablers. 
We like to think of ourselves as helpers. Well, I don't want them to be homeless. Well, I don't want them to be struggling. I don't want them to be in pain. I don't want them. It's kind of like, I don't want them to feel it's control. Like they have to be able to figure it out on their own. And if they don't, then you are in fact enabling them. And so the, the difficult piece is to take a step back, take a deep breath, recognize what is yours to manage and what is theirs to manage. And all we can manage is ourselves, right? So whatever the family dynamic is, it's not your responsibility unless they're itty bitty or somehow incapable of taking care of themselves to manage somebody else's anything, behavior, um, circumstances, relationships, feelings, like not yours, right? And unless they're asking, you don't have an obligation to do that even though the family value and family credo is family above everybody. Like that's not necessarily the case. And especially if you feel tired, if you feel resentful, if you feel angry, if you're irritable, you feel anxious, like all of those things are indicators that this is not going to be a helpful situation for you or them, right? And so that's the kind of big takeaway with the myth of family is you can believe that it's family over everyone and it's us against the world and that's fine but really recognize what you want to contribute and be part of and is it beneficial mutually right because if you're the one doing all the heavy lifting if you're the one doing all the work the other person isn't that's not going to be really a good dynamic for you or them and the likelihood is especially if we're dealing with adults they're not going to get the opportunity to learn the skill or lesson or whatever. And yes, it's hard. And yes, it's painful. And sometimes it's really difficult to watch somebody that you love and care about fall on their face. Absolutely. But sometimes that's the only way that they're going to be able to figure it out. And so really evaluating, like, where am I coming at this from? Can I let it go? and be over here, and when they ask, then I get to choose to participate and be part of that. But not until then, right? And so I left Juana sitting at the bus stop, and we figured it out, and we had a good rest of the day, and then we had a fight like 10 minutes later, so <laughs> we did come back and we talked about it, and, and that was really helpful. Um, we do have a plan to travel again together. Hopefully she'll meet me in Italy. Um, but it, it's something that I, like I said, I wasn't expecting for myself to be triggered back to an older version of me. And so rather than, cause I did for a little bit, I got real fucked up about it. And I was like, Oh, you're an idiot and you don't know anything and blah, blah, blah. blah. And then I calmed down and then I was like, okay, my healing journey is in fact a journey. I am not healed. I am not perfect. I am not in any way an expert on anything else other than me. And even then, I'm still learning and growing. So I had to give myself grace. I had to have a lot of gratitude for, you know, spending time with the sister who is really willing to meet me where I'm at. And I had to be humble and I had to, you know, kind of find some humility and be like, hey, I'm still figuring this out and I'm, I didn't realize that I still had these feelings. I didn't realize that I was still going to act like an asshole. Uh, and so I'm going to own that and moving forward, <laughs> 
this is what I need in terms of communication. Um, she's really, really good at communicating, like expert level. Um, and <laughs> I teach all the skills. I don't always use them. And so it's definitely something that I'm working on. Um, but again, I, my healing journey is a journey. I am not done in any way, shape or form. I wake up every day and start fresh and give myself a little bit of grace and go, okay, babe, like let's, let's try to do it better today. Um, but you know, this family thing is, is significant and it's going to be helpful again, to really recognize and evaluate what you can control, how you feel when you're doing it. And are you, you know, helping because they asked, or are you helping because you think you're helping? Like, you know, if the, if the behavior continues, are you helping? Like they're not necessarily learning or growing or changing because you're there kind of stopping them from doing that process of learning. Anyway, so that's our time. Thank you so much for joining me here. You can listen to the podcast again on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all the things. Um, I will be back next Friday. I don't even know what I'm talking about next Friday. I didn't know I was talking about this today. Um, but I appreciate you guys checking in. I'm going to end the podcast here. I'm going to end the, um, the live. But thank you so much and take care. All right. So we are done on the Instagram live. Thank you so much for listening. We are LX2 and I say we because it's the royal we, just me. LX2 Codependency Coaching. You can reach me at lx2.cod.coach at gmail or xtothezennial underscore podcast on Instagram or luna underscore x2 underscore llc. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day.